All right, so let's start with the rapid fire round. The first one, describe what your organization does in one sentence. Artificial intelligence for the music industry. How long does it take you to get ready in the mornings? Five minutes. Most valuable skill you've learned in life. Making friends. City in which the best kiss of your life happened. <laughs> London. Okay. How many speakers can you name at this conference? Name them or just give a number? Five. Name them. <laughs> okay. Well, everyone on my panel, there was Dia, DJ White Shadow, Ryan, myself, Richie Horton, Indiful. Okay, you win. <laughs> In one sentence, describe one problem that your company is facing. Hiring. How do you relax? Watch TV. A habit of yours that you hate. Scrolling before I sleep. Work from home or work from office. Hybrid. Most embarrassing moment of your life. In a meeting. I spat on a guy's notebook accidentally. How many hours of sleep can you survive on? Two. Your favorite app? Reddit. Biggest mistake of your career? Not quitting earlier. First movie that comes to your mind when I say the word technology? Cool Runnings. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of movies. Okay. How many cups of coffee do you drink in a day? Up to eight. Favorite Netflix show? Star Trek Voyager. What would you have to say about Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter? You do you, honey. <laughs> okay. Uh, now let's go on to the bigger questions. These you can answer with as much ease and as long as you'd like to answer them for. The first one is, how did you come up with the idea of an artificial intelligence music curation company in the first place? So I've worked in the music industry for a long time and I kept coming across the same challenges again and again. And one of those was, it's fantastic that now the advent of the smartphone allows anyone anywhere in the world to create music, but the industry now needs to catch up. Now anyone can create music, how do we find the best stuff? How do we playlist it? How do we know what we have? And so that kind of, that gap in the uh, creation economy is where the idea of Museo came from. How fast do you think the industry is going to catch up on this gap? Um, pretty quick. I think, you know, the artists and creative people in any industry are always at the forefront of change. And then it's often left a little bit to corporate to play catch up, um, which is as it should be. You know, artists lead the way, they lead with their creativity, they lead with their design, with their efforts, with their output. And then the industry, we figure out how to, how to fit around that and how to make best of their work. And has there been situations in this where the industry gets it wrong and kind of restricts the artists by accident? Oh, yeah, all the time. Like, you know, I, I'm old enough to have been here when music streaming was first becoming popular. And the industry thought, oh, okay, streaming's successful. We should all have a streaming service. And I remember when I worked for Pandora in Australia, there were 29 streaming services in market. No small country needs... Geo yeah, not geographically small, but um, population size needs 29 streaming services. So that then requires a reset. Could you share the Genesis story behind Museo? 
Absolutely. I was, um, I was well, I just uh, left my previous job in Singapore and I was looking for what I was going to do next. And I was interviewing for a, for a head of marketing at a streaming service. And then I got cold called about this startup incubator called Entrepreneur First. And I thought it might have been a scam because they were like, we'll pay you to start a company. And I thought, well, you know, it's only two, three streets away from where I live in Singapore. They're offering free coffee which we already know I drink a lot of. So I thought I'll just go along. And what they do is they bring together in a cohort like-minded people. And you match up with a with a co-founder who has complementary technical, sales, business skills, and then you start the idea from there. So I was very, very lucky that um that I that I read that email. You seem to have lived in many places, Australia, Singapore, what else are you hiding? That's it, that's all I'm hiding. Um, so yeah, I, I live in the UK and I used to live in the UK 12 years ago, but I did five years in Sydney and I did six years in Singapore. I go where the work is. And what do you think about the tech scene in Australia versus Singapore versus UK? You know what? I've had a great time in all of those scenes. Um, you know, actually when I was in Australia, I started at Universal, so I was major label. and. Australia is one of the greatest test beds for new technology because it's a it's a it's a Western market. It's a developed market, but uh, population size it's it's not huge, around twenty three million. So you can really test and ring things through there as well as there's a lot of developer talent and a lot of music talent in the in the region it's really far away from europe that's the downside the time zone is a challenge um and then singapore as well uh, is a hub such a hub you can get to the us you can get to europe you can get to australia you know five hours to japan four hours to hong kong like you name it and the culture of business in singapore is also brilliant if you're looking to build something so everywhere has its benefits and and it's been a it's it's been a lot of fun the acquisition of museo by soundcloud is a big deal right so how did it affect you it kind of is a big deal um i i told someone i'll tell anyone who'll listen and, and somebody else said the same thing to me earlier it's the hardest thing i've ever done you know if you th if i thought starting a company was hard if i thought raising money and we raised two million dollars was hard none of that was hard compared to how hard it is to sell a company the um, you know the the amount of paperwork the amount of due diligence the amount of legal interpersonal emotional questions it's uh it's my biggest achievement to date but i'm very very proud one of my favorite memories it's not you know they wouldn't even be aware of it on the soundcloud side but i'd flown back to singapore um i had to be in Singapore we were a Singapore company um for about a month right before we sold I, I had some work to do and I was staying at a friend's house who owned a tree frog as a pet and I had agreed that I would look after this tree frog um now tree frogs eat live crickets which is disgusting and I was feeding this you have to feed the tree frog every other day with the live crickets and it's a real performance and just for fun on my last time doing it I filmed myself doing the whole process and i think that was about as close to losing my mind as i ever got could you repeat the last sentence i think that's about as close to losing my mind during the process as i ever got <laughs> wow <laughs> so if ai is unlikely to create a new musical form what is next for it i mean it it may create a new musical form i think you know i always I do think AI is best when it's assistive and not, you know, replacing human beings. But I also think that some of the best technolog uh, technology technology uh, 
startups and some of the best innovations come out of places that you'd be surprised at. You know, I remember being in school and they made us do a quiz about what we were going to be when we grew up and I got bus driver, um, which actually sounds quite fun, but I am not a bus driver. Um, I ended up working in music technology because smartphones and apps had become a thing, which no one who designed the quiz when I was at school could have possibly anticipated. So I like a little bit of the unknown. I'm excited to see where we go next. That's what they're saying about AI-generated art, that it is not that it's going to kill art, it's going to make a whole new medium that we're not even aware of yet. It's a paradigm change. Is the same thing going to happen with music? Quite possibly. Um, you know, visual-based AI is a little bit ahead of audio-based AI in terms of the technology. So it'll be interesting to see if they follow each other or if they do diverge. But I think, you know, we're seeing interesting um, inklings with this technology. We're seeing, you know, AI art selling at Sotheby's or Christie's. We're seeing... Um, you know, AI algorithms creating music. We're seeing a lot happening with NFT and blockchain. Do I think any of, I don't think any of these things are in their final form, but I think there, there is the, the seed of an idea in all of these things. And we, we watch where it develops. Uh, do you think there's an ideal scope of algorithms in music curation? I think the, the challenge with using algorithms for music curation is if you could ask the best music curator human being in the world to make you a playlist it would be the best playlist but the reality that we have is if there are millions hundreds of millions billions of users on a service there cannot be one curator per person so therefore what's the best that we can do at scale and you know i said i used to say the same thing about musio if you want to know the genre the key the bpm the vocal style auto-tune uh, energy, mood. If you want to know this about a track, get a human to do it. In 10 minutes, they'll do it. It'll be perfect. But Musio does it for 5 million tracks a day. And, you know, with all the will in the world, we could hire a thousand people and still not be able to do it. So it becomes about, well, what can we do? And that's where AI can really help you scale because the alternative is that you just do nothing. So what kind of music do you listen to? I love, I love a little bit of punk rock. I love a little bit of Alkaline Trio, Jimmy World, um, Guilty Pleasure. I'm also really into my like 80s hair metal, like Van Halen, Bon Jovi. But I also like a bit of uh, bluegrass, like a little bit of country music. So could you hum a tune for us from one of your songs? From one of uh, me as a performer or like a song I like? A song you like. Um, oh, God, it's that thing where you put on the spot. Um, um, what could I sing instead? Is that easier? All right. Put on my blue suede shoes and I boarded the plane. I touched down in the land of the Delta Blues, in the middle of the pouring rain. That was amazing. Okay. Um, what are some of the challenges behind building a search engine for music? Um, scale. You know, if you are a product like SoundCloud and you have hundreds of millions of songs, storing that data, moving that data, making that data work in the way you want it to is as much of a challenge as an artificial intelligence challenge. Could you elaborate a little more? So volume is the main challenge in building a search engine for music because, you know, and this is one of the challenges that say Google has solved with text search, which is you're not searching everything all at the same time. 
but how do you batch everything into cohorts that your search then becomes effective? It's a bit like Shazam. When you hold up your phone and you get the answer back, it hasn't checked every song in the world, but it's batched into, it goes into a certain batch where it knows the answer is likely to be. So it's algorithms on top of algorithms, it's efficiencies. And creating search for music is much the same. If you want to run, you know, if I want to fingerprint an audio file and search that against everything on SoundCloud, say there's 350 million tracks, that search would take a while to conduct. But most people aren't going to sit and wait maybe 30 minutes for a search to complete. We expect it instantly. So how have we formatted the back end so that it knows what I'm asking instantly and it knows straight in the bucket to go to to get the answer so that it feels like less than a second i've pressed go and the answers are popping up on the page already that's the biggest challenge what are the different types of machine learning algorithms that are used for this well uh at museo we did convolutional neural networks to be able to build classifiers that could identify data and the way i talk about that is i think about it is rai was able to identify anything if you get it sort of two to five thousand examples so if you want it to understand pop rock electronic techno trance you know we do 84 different genres we would give it say 2000 examples that typify that music legally of course and then we ask it to learn we ask it to look at those patterns look at that similarity and then the next time you show it something that it's not seen before it again it looks at the pattern and it compares that to what it's learned before and that's how it's able to tell you what the genre is so what is the future of pattern learning then uh, the future of pattern learning is how do you create the smallest and simplest file from which you can identify something accurately you know the data files are huge and it needs to be affordable so you need to shrink the fingerprint down to be able to have high accuracy you know you really need 90 percent plus so balancing those two things scale with accuracy is is the great challenge as we move forward with more and more data every day okay so the last question for you is of a personal kind what would you be doing in life if not this right now i think i would be running a cat rescue i have a little old three-legged persian cat that i rescued in singapore and i love cats and I, if I had a lot more free time, I would love to like volunteer at a rescue. I would love to do, you know, TNR, trap neuter release. Like I am very, very passionate about, about cats in particular and miniature ponies. And I think that would just bring me a lot of joy. So that's on my to-do list. That was amazing. It was great listening to you. 